0: I used to hate actual play podcasts, like viscerally hate them, because I listened to one. Uh, it's It was by like a kind of minor celebrity, like a professional comedian who's been in a few films. And he had one friend who was just like really stuffed up through a bunch of things and was obviously like right in front of a microphone, just like, mm. uh, uh, yeah, just, yeah, made that sound. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was just horrible and it set off like terrible misophonia so I could never listen to actual play podcasts again. Until Root Tales of Magic, which is amazing. Yeah, oh, that was yeah. really good. Yeah. And um, Yeah, we've
1: I'm, had uh Branson on our show a couple times too. I saw it yeah, yeah It
2: helps that Branson's a fucking like comedic genius. He, he is. is.
0: And like well, he's an a- incredible a- voice actor. Yeah. Just like yeah. We gotta get right here. Um
2: Oh, I've been in contact with him about it. We just haven't picked out a time, really.
0: Okay, the correct time is any time, literally. Like, if it's 4 (laughs) a.m. on Christmas Day, I don't mind.
2: I want to invite him on so that I can fawn over his work.
0: Same. (laughs) you like, this is
2: going to be a wholly uncritical response. Technically, we're both accredited um, critics of literature have publications to our names, we're not gonna be doing that. That's not what this is. <laughs> yeah.
0: This is just like, why are you so good?
2: I absent mindedly tweeted at him, I've got an idea for you, Branson. Psycho gorilla. Go nuts. <laughs> and then he fucking made it. Where it's just <laughs> where it's just David Burns singing psycho killer, but he's to replace the word killer with gorilla. And then it cuts <laughs> in the last panel to a gorilla front row at the talking heads. And he's like, I think this one's about me and that does not make me happy.
0: But um, yeah, so welcome to Entits, everyone. Uh, that was a little bit of phoning over Branson Reese, and but we're here online with kind of another one of our bucket list guests, uh, Shannon Strucci from Struggle Session slash Critical Bits slash YouTube videos. Um, are there any other slashes I'm forgetting there?
1: Uh, that's most of it.
0: Good. I also okay. do
1: con- I also do conventions when there isn't a global pandemic. Yeah. So uh, I imagine I conventions so much like, right now. Yeah, you
0: know. I mean, on the plus side, it's a lot easier to stop like dudes taking pervy pictures of female cosplayers now because there's just no conventions.
2: It's true. <laughs> it's the solution that we never knew that we needed.
0: Hmm. That's um.
2: It's not yes, the one we wanted. No. To clarify that one, not not the one that we wanted, but you know, ultimate solutions tend. Tend not to. I had to measure my words carefully there with describing that type <laughs> yeah, of solution. I was like,
1: oh, "Where's this going?" I was
2: like, "I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that it, like I, I nail this one." I, I only just woke up, but I'm definitely not gonna. No, no whoopsies.
0: No, you don't get cancelled this early in the morning. <laughs> um, so Sharon, tell us about your three different projects. They're all awesome. Uh, admittedly, I haven't listened to critical bits yet, but I will. It's on my Spotify. Uh, playlist of things to listen to but um, so tell, take take us through all of them like Struggle Session, Critical Bits, YouTube
1: Um, Struggle Session is like a leftist pop culture comedy kind of discussion podcast and I'm the film correspondent so they'll have me on to get angry about <laughs> certain uh, mm-hmm. films or TV shows or sometimes mm-hmm. I, I we watch really cool stuff and then sometimes we watch stuff and just kind of dunk on it Uh, And that's really fun. And Critical Bits is an actual play podcast. We play Masks, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse uh, teen superhero podcast. And it's kind of a leftist teen superhero body horror queer dark comedy show. And I've been doing YouTube for like five years. And I started doing uh, film history and film film analysis video essays. And uh, then I started a series on what are called parasocial relationships, which is like when you mm. listen to someone on a podcast or watch someone on TV and you feel like they're your friend, but they don't know you. So I do. And I, right. uh, I also do that. It's weird. I did like a two mm. hour documentary on it in 2018. Then it got taken down for it. a, a yeah. erroneous copyright strike. And now it's back up. But, um, and I also do Scanline with H bomber guy and I've edited some of his films. So his nice. films, uh, videos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We, we get a lot of, um, you know, Parasocial relationships, mainly sexual in nature, and uh,
3: <laughs>
0: it's uh yeah, it's pretty disgusting. a lot of our um listeners are just grotesque perverts and like really dark stuff too it's like ugh, horrible. I don't know why we've attracted the fans we have, but and I'm sure <laughs> you know as as like the like the expert in parasocial relationships
1: oh, it's weird, but, yeah, it's just, super weird.
0: all of them just everyone who listens to this show just kind of freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of gross. Like they grubby. disgust
2: me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm honest.
0: Yeah, I know. We should. We should kind of be honest with them. That they kind of just, ugh. just, Just like you know when you see a spider, it's just like it activates some sort of like primal thing in your head where you're like, ugh, No, that's, ugh, that's uncanny. That that's mm. how we feel about everyone who's ever listened to the show. <laughs>
1: uh, and I went, like I went ten times
0: home. for our Patreon members.
1: um i went to this thing called repticon which was like i did not panel there we just wanted to see lizards it was just like a big reptile convention where they were selling like lizards and spiders and scorpions and like monitor lizards. and it just like it definitely set off something in my brain and that's kind of like looking at a youtube comment section too it's the same thing as like walking down a line and seeing a million little tarantulas and little plastic cages that's what Mm. putting a youtube video up is like so i can relate to that
0: exactly so I, I want to um, bring something. I want to do a little uh, little reading series for us today. That that is just as disgusting as looking at a spider. Um, I, Shannon, where where whereabouts are you at the moment?
3: Uh, I'm in Atlanta, America.
0: Atlanta. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was worried you'd be, you'd be in New York, and this would hit too close to home because New York is like, <laughs> you know, the hot zone right now. It's sort of fucked there. Mm-hmm. But um, this, this came out of the New York Post. Uh, the title, New Yorkers are throwing co- Corona potlucks and visiting speakeasies.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Oh, no.
0: Okay. But we'll read through. We'll do a kind of like, little we'll reading read a series of this. <clears throat> Quarantine? Is that a drink? Off to an amazing start there, by mm-hmm. the way. While most New Yorkers are hunkering in place, others are popping corks and staging parties that defy occupancy and social distancing edicts. Lucian Wintrich, a former White House reporter and advertisement hand, I don't know what that is, is one of them. <laughs> the 31-year-old contrarian recently hosted a Corona potluck at his small but chic East Village apartment. Uh, Lucian Wintrich, by the way, it doesn't mention this in the article at all, obviously, was like a kind of failed alt-right troll who was kind of like a bargain basement milo yiannopoulos in that he was like hey i'm gay but i'm i hate black people woo kooky and that was like his whole thing and it didn't classic trope yeah that that trope we know and love it just and it didn't really pan out he never really got attention and then the whole alt-right thing just kind of like fell by the wayside and now like the Absolute vanguard of white supremacy and capitalism are like Karens in uh, your mentions talking about <laughs> Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden now.
1: Mm-hmm. So And throwing Corona potlucks, yeah. evidently.
0: Yeah, but well, this guy is doing the Corona potluck. So, Mr. Wintrich says, they can't diagnose us all, reads the invite Wintrich sent to a select group for the March 14th gathering. Don't wash your hands, bring your fave dish. The tongue-in-cheek advert also includes an image of a boy covered in chicken pox and a fork digging into a coronavirus spore. Um, if you look up the article, it's just like graphic design is truly the guy's passion. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, now that this whole alt-right thing hasn't panned out, then yeah, he needs to be, yeah, graphic design. We've got like a, a new Saul Bass on our hands here. It's amazing stuff. The majority of folks I invited, if they got it, would recover fairly quickly and build up an immunity to the present form of COVID-19, he said unapologetically. Not true. There's like 21-year-olds, like fitness instructors dying right now. It's like, it's, it's, a, it's about your viral load. It's not about immunity. It's not like chickenpox. pox. Oh,
2: well, it's also, there's, um, th- th- there's a, a good and short point, thankfully, to, to leap off of that, of, like, people really have no grasp on how um, immunity works. Like, it's not just surviving a, a virus. Your body has to make memory cells. And it's from those memory cells that you're able to manufacture antibodies if your body recognizes the virus in the future. If your body's so overwhelmed with... Uh, and it, it's, it's not even necessarily just being overwhelmed. There's a lot of obviously complex mechanical stuff because biology is... Fucking complex. Uh, you don't always make memory cells after every single thing that you encounter. But you can <laughs> die! That's one okay. thing that, that <laughs> is always on the table. <laughs> yeah.
0: So he says, it was relatively inspired by the chicken pox parties that were all the rage in the 90s.
2: <laughs> what if chicken pox killed you with pneumonia?
1: Every yeah. time. <laughs>
0: what if you just what if you bring your kids to the parties and like 3% of them just choke on their own fluids a week later?
1: Also, how many I mean, people actually did chicken pox parties in the nineties? Like, yeah, I, I feel it. I feel it's like, it's like other, overblown.
0: Like, yeah. Cause it's it's like any one of those like craze articles where like one person at the New Yorker hears about it. Then they say, is this an, a new craze? And then everyone assumes <laughs> it's real.
2: I think mm-hmm. I may have been at the very last one or something in like the mid nineties. Um, <laughs> But even then, like, I was, like, five or six, and I was looking up at my parents, like, this doesn't seem like this is how disease works. And they're like, no, it is. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not sure that that's true. I mean, I'm only five, but intuitively, I don't think that getting a bunch of children sick with shingles um, exactly is going to be exactly going to be all that helpful. Especially because apparently uh, chicken pox parties don't actually even work. Your body doesn't, your body's not able to fight off future infections of chicken pox, even if you've had it before. That's a weird myth. And like, no uh, doctor really knows where it comes from. They're like, yeah, that doesn't work at all. And if you get it as an adult, you'll die. Oh, cool. And you're like, oh, that's that's tight.
0: (laughs) So, um, about 20 people jammed his artfully decorated apartment. There's a picture, it looks like shit. It looks like just awful hipster bullshit. He's sat on his leather couch. There's a, a, a cushion with a mouth taking a pill. Edgy stuff. He's got a T-shirt that says Roger Stone did nothing wrong. Just, yeah, I'm so triggered. <laughs> um, and Wintrich's massive erotic oil painting that depicting the murder of Abel encased in a gilded Baroque frame.
2: that dude's trying really hard he's just just really he's just
0: mm, jamming away at my trigger buttons here
2: so there's like there's like a stereotype of like the Ballardian like antagonistic figure that you don't expect like shouldn't be real because it would be like a cartoon and like if mm. someone else puts that I was thinking about this I'm not going to go off on a Tiger King rant but I was thinking about this all (laughs) off in Tiger King that shit is so King. That that shit is so fucking crazy. They had a wife off. It's a documentary. They had a wife off. One dude's like, I have like five, six wives, and another dude's like, he's got five, six wives, but I got two husbands. You know who who's keeping track? And you're like, what? This <laughs> this shows up in the second episode when they reveal that one dude runs a sex cult devoted around tiger breeding. Um, another dude had a, a triple gay marriage. Um, which is which is cute. Uh for now okay. they've. They never mentioned the second husband until the second episode and all of its archival footage. So I'm I'm freaked. We're building our theories now. Also, they end the second episode offhandedly with like, she's getting all up and high and mighty telling us that we're bad people for breeding tigers in captivity, but she probably fed her husband to a tiger. And at first they're like, that's a weird aside. And then they cut to like six people being like, I heard she fed her third husband to a tiger. And someone's like, I think that she fed her husband to a tiger on her property. And then it cuts to news footage where news anchors say that. And it's like, <laughs> what? And it's like, yeah, that's that's the premise of episode three. How a woman who runs a big cat rescue uh, probably fed her husband to a tiger. And you're like, what? what? Like, what? There's also a picture of the sex cult dude uh, from the 70s with a big handlebar. Mu- he looks like Neil Gear yeah big handlebar mustache, long flowing hair, a leather vest, a sword, and two falcons two falcons also, every single person uh that runs an organization that they've interviewed has made a shitty album with incredibly bad uh music videos, and they show the music <laughs> videos in Tiger King it's okay, yeah, it's I, so I bananas it. like they there i was not prepared people made like pithy jokes me and my roommates were just sitting fucking shell-shocked but (laughs) i bring this up because anything like that i mean it there's obviously the stereotype of like reality stranger than fiction all that kind of stuff but it's like gareth you've you've written literary stuff as well before Mm -hmm. so you'll especially vibe on this I'm, I look at things like that coronavirus party or like Tiger King and I'm like I should quit. Like I I can't.
0: <laughs> no, he he's just doing the mask of red death. He's right. literally doing Poe. But it, it's like, for, for these like dissolute ex New York hipsters.
2: I'd be also called the
0: Nazis.
2: I literally pitched like a modern revamping of like the mask of the Red Death set in a penthouse to someone and they shot it down, I think perhaps rightfully, on like that's way too on the nose. That's like ultra didactic. Yeah. There's no way to and then it just fucking happens. Like just oh, just yeah. IRL.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, it, there's like a, a uniquely American thing. And I'm sorry for you guys and for 85% of our audience. Well not our audience, they're terrible, but <laughs> Sorry to (laughs) Americans, but there's this weird thing where you can exist on this like level of pure vibe. You're basically a (laughs) vaporwave human. Yeah. Uh, And the Tiger guy, Lucy Wintrich, probably even Donald Trump, being like a apotheosis where you just constantly have money, you constantly have people around you, you never have to do anything. You're just pure vibe.
2: I mean, we had that's the Tiger guy. My uh, my um i'm not I'm not gonna lambast uh my mom her partner. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that, however, I did bring up they sometimes say some really like blue dog Democrat bullshit, which is whatever. I think that's everyone's parents that aren't like straight up evil republicans um but I tried making the point that like their shock and disgust at Donald Trump while fair because the dude fucking sucks and is a fascist. Um, is is a little bit confusing considering he's ultra American, like he is. He's like mm. distilled, rarefied Americanness, and I don't think a lot of people are like capable of like reckoning with that. They're like, no, no, we're shitty in a different way, and it's like, no, no, we're <laughs> yeah. not. <laughs> like- yeah,
0: yeah, it, it, like all those, like Tiger King, this Liev Schreiber guy, all those shows on, like. Um, Todds and tiaras, and the redneck shows and Mormon wives—they're they're all just American anthropology, and yeah. they're about what it is to be an American. And no one seems to recognize that. They just seem to think these people are one-offs, and they, but they're not part of a system. But no, there is a system in place that produces Tiger Kings, and um, that system, ideology,
2: and capitalism mm-hmm. probably. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. So, uh, Nazis, gay Nazis are getting po- uh, t- pox in Brooklyn apartments. Is what I'm saying here. And um, yeah, Tiger King. I'm going to watch Tiger King tonight. I've, I've resolved to that fact. I have. I have stuff to do. I'm on deadlines. Probably going to still watch Tiger King. But um, fucking worth it. Yeah.
2: Normally, I, I I hate. I hate TV and I hate group activities and I hate being on the vibe. These are many th- I'm a hater through and through. I can acknowledge mm-hmm. this. Um, there are many strengths to being a hater and Lord knows many a weakness. But in this moment, capitulating to the tides of culture, this was a boon.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to go with it. And, we um...
2: literally just at the end of the second episode just sat in stone silence for like almost 10 minutes. We just there was nothing to say. There's nothing any of us could add.
3: Hmm. So, but we're here to talk about webcomics,
0: though. Damn right we're here to talk about webcomics. Because, in addition to those three things Shannon mentioned earlier, she's also a connoisseur, if you will, of the webcomic arts. And um, I don't really read a lot of webcomics. I don't think I've read any webcomics since. And I was. I racked my brain to find one that I've read. The only one I've ever sustained, had any sort of sustained engagement with was Diesel Sweeties. And I was in like 2001. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't, last I lastly checked, it may still be going.
1: I just Googled it. Yeah. twenty seventeen Copyright 2017 on the newest oh. one.
0: Yeah. It, okay. It, it went for 17 years. Oh my God. Um yeah, he went for 17 entire I, uh, years and it's it I was... read
2: quite a number. Quite yeah. quite a number. Were any of them Some funny? Some of them. Uh um well, no, I guess I could technically count Branson Reese's uh year of comics. That was fucking funny.
0: Okay, that was and You did
2: post those on the web, that counts.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I was about to say leaving comic.
2: Richards Valley, but like Michael DeForge's stuff really isn't funny. It's incredibly good, but it's not funny.
0: Okay, well that's that's a web comic, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And they it got a print edition through Fantagraphic.
0: Okay. So so Shannon, as a, a connoisseur of the webcomics <laughs> arts, mm-hmm. are there any like big names in webcomics we're missing out, like an Alan Moore of webcomics?
1: <laughs> probably like andrew Hussey who did homestuck i can't think of a bigger name
0: homestuck. i've heard of homestuck
1: i never i got, never got into homestuck i i read embarrassing web comics when i was like a child i read like mega tokyo and vg cats um and all that i also read um go ahead
2: oh i went through a Penny arcade phase, it was very long. So I so bad. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I mm-hmm. also um what's that what's that one that's tragically unfunny and about indie rock and it just won't ever stop? Is it questionable content?
1: I've never read that one, but that sounds like it would be a webcomic.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a, like a very like two thousand seven Reddit guy name for virtually anything. That's like an epic bacon. Uh, it.
2: Meme. It is that one <laughs> questionable content. It's a slice oh, of life yeah. comment. About. Oh, I've
0: seen these. Yeah, I've seen these yeah. in memes. Oh, it's, it looks terrible. I hate it.
2: I had a college roommate who read Control Alt Delete, and when the uh, when loss uh, came up, he cried. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Control
3: Alt Delete is so good.
1: bad. I did. I edited a lot of H bombs video on it, which is like this <laughs> insane, like thirty-five minute breakdown analysis of control delete we did a couple years ago but i also read like dinosaur comics which i would say is not oh. embarrassing that one's, even good. that one's aged a lot I, I really liked a comic called sluggy freelance when i was in middle school and then just a couple years ago i like a uh, panel at a convention with the guy who wrote it and i wanted to talk to him but i also would have had to admit i hadn't read his comic since i was like 12 so i was just too embarrassed to talk to him about it because i had loved it but i hadn't kept up with it in like 15 years which is crazy to think about that 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 thing must have, I think that's still going that's been going forever. Um,
2: White Ninja is also really tight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, um, hyperbole and a half. I don't know if that counts as a webcomic. Yeah, but, uh, I like yeah. that one. Yeah, cute. My wife is actually friends with Ali Brush. Well, it was Ali Brush has kind of like disappeared now. Mm-hmm. Um, what? But, uh, yeah, Wait,
1: what? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> not not <laughs> like. Missing person disappeared. Oh, okay. Like gone offline. That mysteriously yeah. disappeared. She just got tired of the internet. I was internet.
2: like, are, "Are you just casually throwing out like, yeah, she got kidnapped by Satanists? Now she lives in the woods. <laughs> That's whatever."
0: <laughs> it could happen. Yeah, it just sometimes you make web comics. Sometimes Satanists kidnap you. And um, yeah, she hasn't updated Hyperbole and a Half since
3: the comic menace in when was this?
2: that's a good bit of ago
3: 253 pm oh
2: 2013
0: oh, yeah that yeah it, she had two books out since then uh, both of which we have uh, but yeah that that was there was a, a good chunk of uh, internet history when web comic artists was a thing and you could like be a web comic artist and that would make you famous on the internet and you could make money off that and that would just be your identity and that seems strange to me
1: at least I... the the models are completely different now with patreon and the way twitter works versus like guess like selling t-shirts and selling your books on the internet you know like how how do they make money just merch sales and like if they were guess, lucky ad yeah. ad re- revenue stuff
0: yeah they
2: well, they also put... got like um Uh they got donations a lot. Like that was in vogue for a while, Mm -hmm. putting up a donate button and being like, I won't give you anything. Give me money. I I talk to you about video games and about how women are icky and liars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you read my webcomic then. (laughs)
3: Um.
2: Now I can reveal. I briefly had a webcomic. It was the times. Yes. Wow. I don't remember its name or how to find it. (laughs) But I do know. Oh, that how I convenient!
1: One. How That's, convenient yeah. you don't remember where to find it.
0: But um, what was it about? Tell, tell us more about the uh, comic.
2: Uh, let me try to find. Uh, I think its name was Define Problem, but I can't find it now. Um, it. Was a shitty slice of life comedy that I wrote in uh, college with my friend who was uh, an artist. He's the one who cried when Lost got posted. <laughs> <laughs> um, these were not laugh these about. were not the best my peak years, I believe.
0: Okay, I mean, like sexually, they would have been just like
2: technically sort of speaking, a fact. Yes,
0: point of view, yeah. like men do peak sexually at that point in their lives. So in in all other senses no you live in an absolute terrible life and
1: uh-huh. are surrounded
0: by people who cry at loss. Uh-huh. Um and uh but yeah um uh Shannon are there any like good web comics still running? We want to talk about a uh, happy uh, not happy place sweet home <laughs> in a second. Uh, but um are there any web comics artists still out there still plugging away because it seems like all the all the greats of my youth are just like gone now
1: i think a lot of what i read in my youth should be gone it should be scorched from the earth because it was terrible um but uh, th- there's a whole subculture of uh artists working on the site like uh, do a uh, webtoon or like lines mm. site yeah. and, and the way those are set up it's a vertical scroll comic which I think yeah, is very kinda... interesting. It's like that's that's the way that Sweet Home is written as well. Hmm. Like every com- every chapter is like one long rectangle designed for web browsers, mm-hmm. which I think is really yeah. interesting. Um oh, wait.
2: Also God of High School, which is I believe um an online exclusive one, and Fucking Bananas. <laughs> it's a retelling one? of Sun Goku. Uh it it's a crime drama about high schoolers and then after they fight a bunch of criminals for like over a 100 chapters they casually mention that the main character is also sun wukong and you're like (laughs) what he's a teenage boy though and he's a little korean boy and he's like no i'm sun wukong and then he starts fighting gods and killing gods then they just blow him up with nukes then there's a one world government that he has to fight and then they reveal that the buddha is dead and on the dark side of the moon, and he's coming back to kill Sun Wukong with the help of the One World government. And this is like hundreds of chapters in. It the looks nuts. I'm like, looking
1: at it right now.
2: The initial bit's like, I'm Korean and I'm in high school. And it's just like... That's every,
1: every webtoon, though. They're all, it's all Korean high schoolers. Um, oh, it's worth mentioning, too, looking at this, that uh, One Punch Man and Mob Psycho 100 started as like poorly oh, drawn yeah. webcomics.
0: That guy yeah, I I i never knew yeah. that wow. yeah one, no,
1: uh, no, one, uh, one punch man did and then Yusuke Murata redrew it I guess uh, uh Mob Psycho got publishes a more traditional comic
2: yeah uh, so one uh that who's the writer and uh mangaka of the like webcomic of one punch man was just making it to sort of parody shonens because he was like, these are kind of dumb and have a lot of goofy elements in them that I think that mm-hmm. I could, you know, twist on their head really well. But then it blew up in Japan. Like it the webcomic became fucking enormous. So shonen jump, like the biggest shonen publisher, the one that publishes dragon ball. Now they published Naruto, they published bleach. They published one, uh, one piece, like all of them. Uh, reached out and we're like, hey, we're gonna put you in touch with the uh, the artist behind iShield 21, which was uh big in the manga world. And they're like, and he's gonna redraw your shit for us if you want. And he was like, uh, you know that I'm making fun of him. and they're like, and we're gonna give you a, an anime deal. And he's like, fuck it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. So like but he also has in his contract that he still updates the webcomic. And so, that technically the manga is always an adaptation of the webcomic. And the webcomic gets updated first.
0: Wow. Well, so, if he quits, then uh, One Punch Man just ceases to exist?
2: I, th- I, n- no one necessarily knows that. Most manga has really weird contractual stuff where typically the mangaka doesn't own the rights to it. Um, Which is how you can... They currently have a spin-off. They have an isekai spin-off of Dragon Ball right now called That Time I Was Reincarnated as Yamcha. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I feel like they did not clear that with Toriyama. That's just my gut saying that they were like, Fuck you. We're doing it. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so let let's play a song first, then we'll jump into um, "Sweet Home." So uh, the song we're going to play is uh, from the new Malik ep- um album. They're on the Flenser, so you know they're amazing. Oh yeah. Um, this this one's weird though. Um, this is kind of like this album is just kind of like noise rock, but also like jazz and blues.
2: Yeah, it's, it um, feels more like a like a post punk or like a Screamo record than a black metal record. Like they Oh yeah. It, we're playing them at all.
0: There's we're playing like them
2: that. because they started as a black metal band. That's how they sort of made their name or at least even then they were really weird. They were in that like first wave of post black metal in like hmm. the the mid to late nineties, um where Obviously there's been weird black metal for since forever, but black metal that threw in a lot of post-punk and got very, uh, which is at least partly where the initial thrust of post-black metal came from. It's like, Oh, it's post-punky compared to like the hardcore influence of regular black metal. Um, But then they just kept pushing the like weird avant rock stuff to like most of their records. They sound more like daughters or oxbow or, um, Mm, yeah, groups definitely. like that, rather yeah. than black metal.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I, there, there is no black metal uh, on this album. It's yeah, it's it is yeah. Oxbow is probably the nearest you're going to get, but it's still thousand miles away from that. Um, yeah, really fascinating band. And yeah,
2: yeah. and it's it, it's it's an incredible record. It's called Come and See. It's just like, hmm. I mean, all of the records are good. They're sort of like a weirdly well kept secret within experimental metal fandom that, like, yeah. everyone likes them, but none of us really talk about them all that much. <laughs> but that, That's the
0: case for most of Flenser bands, though.
2: Yeah. They're, they're well, like, except, except Have a Nice Life. Oh, oh wait, true, they're yeah. through oh. Sea of Worry. Why did I think they were on the Flenser?
0: Uh, they, they are on the Flenser. Well, at least most oh. of their stuff was. Um, Yeah, they definitely are. I think oh. maybe they've created... Oh. Sea of Worry was their album, wasn't it? Oh yeah, dumb,
2: stupid. Yeah, they are on the front. Seat. God. Okay. Yeah, I was right.
0: But uh, yeah, the Malik are cool as hell. This this album is inspired by a, a housing project in Chicago called Cabrini Green, which is also Fun factoid. Where...
2: Oh, I think you were about to say it. Never mind.
0: Okay. Well, will have say it once. Uh, it was where yeah. Candyman was set.
2: That's what I was about to say. I just I couldn't yeah. get your cadence. But yeah, it's okay. uh
0: yeah it was where Candyman was set um also
1: some really horrible horrible real life stuff happened at cabrini green as well yeah that's
2: um not a nice place they made (laughs) the record because unspeakably
1: awful stuff
2: apparently they grew up in the two so the prime group of mamalik are two brothers for this record this is their first one where they have like a full band behind them but the band is anonymous they're anonymous too but we know they're two brothers um, they grew up in Cabrini Green, mm. um, in the wow. midst of a lot of that stuff, which is where the music is coming from. And Candyland or Candyman was um, based on a Clive Barker story that's set in a uh, a pri- a um like a a private school in Britain, which confusingly British people call public schools. Um, oh yeah, Britain's a backwards country. Uh, uh-huh. But um, when it was adapted. Uh, for, for film, it was an American director and the American director wanted to connect it to similar kinds of deep traumatic uh, social trauma and abuse that Americans would recognize and were pathologically deeply American. And uh, it was a black director and they selected Cabrini Green because it fit things. Mm. And Clive Barker sort of retroactively said like, it's one of the few films that takes my story and makes it better because it connected it so deeply to like a specific trauma as opposed to the generalized trauma of like headmasters in Britain. Hmm. Horrific, horrific history around it. Read the Wikipedia article about Cabrini Green's history. If you want to have a real fucking bad time.
0: Hmm. But um, yeah, so this Mammalik album is about Cabrini Green. Uh, One of the albums, uh, one of the songs is called Cabrini Green, Uh, but we're going to play Street Nurse of fifth track of the album uh and then we'll come back and talk about a little, little web comic called sweet home i keep getting it wrong His <laughs> mamalik that was Mammalik with uh, Street Nurse off of Come and See um, just really incredible band I love these guys uh, everything on the Flenser is automatically
2: good but, yeah I was looking um, back through their uh, the Flenser's discography on Bandcamp and it's literally just like oh here's Botanist here's early Bostonage and Death Heaven here's Coffin Worm here oh Panopticon ooh, like
0: yeah Elizabeth Colorwheel who like one of my f- new favorite bands mm-hmm. And um speaking of Deaf Heaven, Jack Shirley also produced um this Mammalek album. Ah so this is like his his one album a year he gets to do where he just like completely destroys black metal forever. And um he's done it with Death Heaven an Oathbreaker, and Oathbreaker. Now it's now it's Mamaleek. So um yeah, we're we're gonna talk about um Sweet Home. So Shannon, what was it about this? Uh, comic about someone being stuck inside their home because there's a virus outside that's killing everyone (laughs) that uh, specifically spoke to you Uh,
1: (laughs) to be fair i started reading it like a year or two ago i didn't know that the end times were coming when i read it um i had read their it's a a writer and an artist team Mm -hmm. that uh wrote it and i had read their previous webcomic bastard which is about It's like a very realistic, nihilistic story about a serial killer and how he abuses the people around him. And it's very upsetting. Uh, And I liked it a lot, but it's really just sort of like a bleak, unhappy story. Whereas and when I found out Sweet Home was happening, I got excited because I liked the team. And Sweet Home is more of like a dark comedy, body horror, like monster series that has a lot of Hmm. like very sweet moments and a lot of funny moments. So it's actually a lot easier to read. But yeah, it is funny. I was just catching up on it. And it was just kind of funny reading it again with like, "Oh yeah, the virus, I haven't left my house in like sixteen days this is <laughs> it does hit a little closer to home."
0: Okay, oh, yeah. yeah, I was reading it earlier, and there was there's a scene where he's like reading up on the virus symptoms online. I was just like, "I did that yesterday." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but um yeah, so okay, so just sum up sum up the plot for um those who haven't read it yet.
1: It's this like a uh, Korean high school guy. And he's a little asshole. He's basically like a four chan troll. Like literally, he goes on the internet and says terrible things to people. He only is alive because he likes anime and wants to watch the this like film based on an anime he really likes. He like self harms and is very alienated from his family and really really depressed. And then like spoilers for the first chapter, his whole family dies uh, in an accident. And then he goes off to live alone in this apartment complex with the money he got from his family dying. And then people start turning into monsters based on their like repressed desires or things that they couldn't experience in life and the monsters are just going around like murdering and eating people so it's all of the survivors in this apartment complex uh, and people also some of the survivors are slowly turning into monsters themselves
0: hmm. and I, I didn't get hugely far into it but mm-hmm. am i right in thinking like he has a, the, the parasite or the virus or whatever inside him too
1: it's like a slow reveal, but he definitely does And a lot of it as it goes along is him kind of fighting it or how he deals with it uh, rather than just giving into it. It's really interesting because the mo- like there are scenes with people who get taken over by the monsters and the monsters ask them what their greatest desire is or what they weren't able to accomplish or whatever. And it's really interesting how he handles that in particular. And he, he, as a character, he has a ton of growth because he just starts off as like a 4chan shithead. And then he kind of, as the world is ending, he learns to be empathetic and, and learns to like want to take care of other people. Cool.
0: Yeah, I, I mean that's kind of like a a trope in a post apocalyptic fiction. I, I I even see it like online now. It's on Twitter as well. Like people who um are just now realizing that they've got time to write their great novel, or they've <laughs> they they need to reach out for people, or people like have reconnected with their family members and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I remember uh, going to a talk by, uh, what's her name? Emily St. John Mandel, who wrote the book Station Eleven, which I think is going Netflix treatment fairly soon. Well, probably not anymore, because it's about a flu virus that kills 90% of the world. And, yeah, she, her basic take on it was that we love the idea of an apocalypse, because it's very freeing, and it's, it will like it clarifies things for us. Just like it, mm-hmm. I guess it does to, to um, Hyun in um, Sweet Home, like he's depressed. He is on 4chan, wasting his time. He, but you know, now he's got to survive and he's got to empathize with people. And it's just, yeah, that's kind of the fantasy of an apocalypse. It's um, and it's quite um, quite seductive that idea.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And
1: I think it's a fantasy for a lot of people. I don't know. In Sweet Home, it is a little bit of like a hero fantasy, but I think it focuses on just how terrible everything is and how scared everyone is versus him being like the chosen one dealing with it. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's interesting for me reading stuff like this because I had uh, not to get too heavy, but like when I was very young, I had a lot of deaths in my family, like back to back and had a very bad time. Uh, So I think I kind of experienced a little bit of that early on and it gave me a lot of clarity uh that maybe other people don't have but at a at a pretty big cost. Hmm. Um although it wasn't like the whole world was ending. But I think I think it also made me kind of resentful of people who are like, wouldn't it be cool if it was the apocalypse? It's like, no it wouldn't, it would suck. It's scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, yeah. It's um Yeah, I this whole uh I mean everything that's happening right now is like a it been kind of like a moral test for me as well. Because I I don't know how to like orientate myself towards this corona thing. Like can I make jokes about it? Like if if I joke about it, am I going to uh just like ruin the day of someone who's like worried that one of their grandparents is dying right now? Cuz I mean, I'm definitely not the only person online who's making jokes about stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: especially about coronavirus. People are, are making jokes and memes about it right now and yeah i feel like
2: the uh the ethics for that sort of revolver and this this applies to any sort of social traumatic event um sometimes we are very quick to um judge people who use comedic framing basically to help like parcel out and process some of the like profound, like, who isn't traumatized somewhat when they look at the number that like, the estimated number of US casualties and then the estimated thumbnail for a conservative death count puts somewhere between thousands or millions dead, like, that's like, who, who in their right mind doesn't look at that and get, like like, bent out of shape Mm -hmm. um, but it, and so obviously there's a certain level that, like um Comedy or jokes about something like that feels <clears throat> profoundly fucked up. but I think a lot of it also comes down to um, like placing context. like putting something out on Twitter where literally anyone can see it if they come across it, is asking to ruin someone's day. Like at that point, you're you're absolutely playing with fire, but something where you're in a group of people that you know who understand that you're like it the the stress response. Element of it and aren't going to be like He thinks Corona is funny <laughs> Like instead it's like He is profoundly fucking confused and terrified By this and making a dumb joke Will temporarily make that less so Like Yeah The things we have to think about in a plague state
0: <laughs> web- Webtoon has actually um, Created a web Comic about how to stay safe During the, during the outbreak That's good oh, wow. Yeah, what's it, it called? Um, staying healthy together. It's got a two um, attractive people, a a, a beast shonen, if you will, and um, yeah, they're talking about um, cleaning your hands with alcohol-based hand rub, maintain social distancing, and um, one of them's one of them is now a cat boy. Um,
2: <laughs> Good for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, we we have said on the show before that cat. Cat boys and girls will survive.
2: It's, it's going to be short. the future.
0: Yeah, it's very short. There's only three panels. This is this is barely anything.
1: It looks like a series <laughs> different artists did. What I'm looking at, it's like different yeah. people telling you how to uh, oh, join the oh, stay inside yeah. club.
0: Yeah, every there's like does yeah there's loads of different. Oh yeah, they just do like single panel ones. Okay, that's cool.
3: So. It's, yeah, they're, some of these art is pretty good. Um, yeah, it's all about washing your hands and stuff. That's lovely. But um, <coughs> yeah, so it's a
0: Sweet Home, um, where does it, without doing too many spoilers here, because mm-hmm. I've only just skimmed the surface of it, so where does it go kind of thematically from the apocalypse scenario?
1: uh well uh it's about 117 chapters in and they're still at the apartment complex though so i don't know how much for like for how much longer mm-hmm. but a, a lot of it just sort of explores the way people hurt each other before all this happened or the mm-hmm. or, it explores a lot of uh like many web comics it explores trauma like one character her boyfriend killed himself or this character was abused by their parents or this character you know are um there's like a monster that's like super, super bulky and craves protein, who is probably a, a physically weak person when when they were alive. Oh, God, and not another just... ca-
0: comic character based off of me. I hate that. This really
1: <laughs> the the main character says that he looks scrawny and weak and it pisses the monster off and it goes berserk. And it's really funny. He's got like a Thomas the Tank Engine face on a huge muscly body. Um, Again, just
0: me. God. <laughs> Sue these people.
1: It's just kind of a comic about fear and trauma and uh, survival, I guess. And it's also just really, really fun. There's a later monster design that is just terrifying of like a young man who gets infected who wanted to be a model and just wanted to be beautiful. And like his whole torso becomes a big, beautiful Bishonen type face with like eyes on it on his chest. And his actual head becomes like shriveled and disgusting. And he just keeps asking the main character if he's pretty. And then he'll try to leave. it's so it's It's so disgusting and like upsetting, but it's really good. Um, <laughs> just that kind of like really fun dynamic of all the different really original monster designs. And you get it I would say the characters are well developed um, and you get really invested in their relationships as they're trying not to die. Mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a character who's like an amputee who's like a really interesting like, uh disabled character who I like a lot. Just stuff like that, and then the leader in the apartment is another teenage boy who Hyun realizes was also on like four chan and is also like a anime nerd, and they talk about waifus, which is really interesting. <laughs> it's just like a cool dynamic of uh, what it would be like if extremely online people got caught in a, an apocalypse.
0: Oh yeah, I can't relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna read a bit more of this because I'm liking where it's going so far. Um, I'm liking like the you know the, the the structure is like a tried and true one of like the apocalypse is happening. We'll do some flashbacks to before, kind of like in Walking Dead, um, and yeah, I, I I like that structure. It really works actually, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of feeling this this web so far, and I and I really like the like long scrolling layout because you can do really interesting things with like timing and. Um, like, uh, oh god, are you sending me pictures of
2: the monster?
1: I just linked the, the pretty monster. It's okay, one of the chapters up. with it. It's so fucking scary. <laughs> I'm
2: going to look at so the now.
1: It's okay. so scary. Yeah, it's very, like, oh weirdly god. cinematic, <laughs> the way he can do, like, action scenes or jump scares with the vertical yeah. scroll format.
2: He's yeah, such cause... a big Bishounen. He's so big.
1: Yeah, He's huge. A... He's so scary looking.
2: That's such a huge face guy.
0: Yeah, I, I really yeah. The way you can get like timing into a comic book that you can't really do in a in a just normal paper comic. Mm-hmm. That's really clever. Yeah, this
3: guy's like head is forming into the thing, and there's a ghost. And um... shit. Yeah, it,
2: it, yo, it that's can, ghost because it got human eyeballs in it. Damn. I guess you find to.
1: out. Uh, do you care about spoiler? Talking about spoilers no. on this for the no, ghost no. guy. The ghost guy was like a little kid who was terrified in the closet whose mom got eaten by monsters. It's like a three year old kid who like peed himself and like fucking died and then became a monster that could hide and possess bodies and stuff because it was so scared.
2: This dude's fighting a Cronenberg with a fucking katana.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This this... comic is great. Uh, I can't, like, I didn't want to like try to oversell it, but yeah. Oh, no. There's like a a Christian missionary guy who had the sword. Apparently,
2: Uh, he's not fighting the Cronenberg very hard, but also the Cronenberg isn't fighting him back all that hard either. They're just sort of like, give me the sword. No, I need it. No, give it to me. No.
0: (laughs) He's like chopping this guy up. And so he did. Ah, ha, ha. And yeah, the only thing I don't like is is the text. I think. Oh, shit.
2: Now the Cronenberg's got the sword. Fuck. Oh, shit. This dude's been (laughs) jokerized.
1: Uh, Some of so the translations I, are bad, too, mm-hmm. in some chapters.
2: So I believe the coronavirus is Joker. <laughs> <laughs> but is it Joker to contract corona? And that one I don't think is always uh a yes. No. I yeah. believe anyone who contracts the coronavirus during a coronavirus potluck, that is Joker. It is Joker okay. to do this.
3: Okay.
0: But... If you just like get it from walking around the streets, that's that's not Joker to do it.
2: No, that's right. that's a tragedy. No, yeah, <laughs> you have been Jokerized though, in the like bad it. way. Normally, it's bad when you get Jokerized. We we forget that sometimes. Most <laughs> of the people who get Jokerized die of neurotoxins.
3: Mm. Yeah,
0: it, it, Jokerism gives and it takes. It's it's a double-edged sword. Um, unlike the single-edged sword that this guy is cutting up Cronenberg's with. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um,
2: that Cronenberg is definitely very Joker.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Hugely. Yeah. And, uh,
2: it's and very Joker to be Cronenberg. The Bishonen is not Joker, though. <laughs> I have uh, a weird. Air. I've, I've only seen this one chapter. I'm, I'm hooked. But as of right now, I love the Bishonen. He is large and beautiful.
1: <laughs> and he just says he do I a... look good?" and then he won't leave the main character alone he's, he'll, he... he'll like attack him if he doesn't just keep saying he's handsome too that's happening <laughs> he,
2: that, that's relatable see I understand the impetus of the Bishonin monster to be extremely physically large and obsessed with beauty
0: <coughs> yeah it, it's, it's kind of the reverse of uh, jokification when you think about it I mean, the, the jo- um, Joker does fall into the Virgin rather than the Chad archetype.
2: It's true. This this guy's very Chad. He's just huge <laughs> <Yeah>. and hot. <laughs> now he'll kill you, but some Chads will. Yeah. Chad I just linked
1: chads. another chapter. Look at how angry he gets when the other guy runs away. Like the huge, beautiful oh eyes just they, turn they, evil. They've got I'm a
0: definitely... picture of him from the side. It's incredible.
2: <laughs> this is I so hope good. he's really thin from the side like he's, he's you,
0: t- your hopes are gonna be um, rewarded here it's, it's it's. oh
2: my god he's so thin oh that's yeah. he's just a face <laughs> thrown out of a thin body from the side and
0: he's happy because he gets told he's handsome
1: this and then he is... keeps scrolling and then he just has this evil face and then he's like crawling across the ceiling this comic is so good oh yeah,
2: yeah.
0: he gets he so sad
2: he, oh do we, yeah, oh, we see this. his ass. It's distant, uh, and it's a little bit fuzzy, <laughs> but but you see it.
1: This is chapter ninety-seven <laughs> for people listening to us. Just describe the weird monster.
2: <laughs> Gonna we, we throw out his like... ass. Not incredible. Very flat. Yeah, you'd,
0: you'd think, yeah,
2: for being a huge bishonin and I can't emphasize this enough. This is a very large, beautiful boy.
0: His chin is perfectly sculptured abs.
2: <laughs>
0: uh-huh. <laughs> his nose <laughs>
2: is like enormous and romanesque in a way that is uh profoundly powerful oh shit he's scuttering on the ceiling now he is he is uh, he is upset you don't do that if you're feeling good that's not something you do when you're like yo i've been having a chill ass day i'm gonna strip off all my clothes and it's ceiling time buddy like <laughs>
0: Cronenbergs only do this when they are very afraid.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, um, yeah, he's, uh, yeah.
2: Is I, he about to drop on the man? Oh, that says throb. Mm.
0: Okay. But,
2: and his, wobble.
0: <laughs> his face is very westernized. And I think that's a comment on, uh, beauty standards in Korean, um, uh, entertainment and possibly in K pop. I don't want to talk about K pop because then, uh, every k-pop stands will um attempt to maul me
2: um, like we thought we thought that the chapo fans were upset when we gave the chapo book a mildly negative review k-pop stands get mad if you aren't ravenous for their k-pops i'm glad that i at least like k-pop that that keeps me safe in certain ways
1: <laughs> inoculates <laughs> you from are like uh-huh. i don't get the fan like the videos on twitter that people will be like they'll respond to some some random thing on Twitter with just a video of a K-pop star dancing. I literally don't understand the purpose of that. Oh, I it's online psychosis. It. it is, but exactly. it, like, normally I understand like shitty memes or like angry lib responses or this sort of thing. I just don't understand what is happening in their brain. So at all. I,
2: I can pitch it this way. As someone who's had more than one, a uh, uh, massive mental uh, meltdown, brain goes sideways. <laughs> so... <laughs> We're trained to think the normal response is brain go forward, but no. Mm-hmm. This is the heart of Dadaism, of surrealism, of uh, of decadent art, of symbolic art. No, it's brain go sideways. It's it's like read it. It's like watching adults swim, but it's like people in the real world, and it's what they're actually doing, not as a joke.
0: Which brings us back to Tiger King and uh, weird bug chases in in Brooklyn um, via the, uh, the route of beautiful Cronenbergs.
2: There is a, um, a, a not quite fully credited uh, psychological um, hypothesis. It makes more sense in a sociological um, sense than a necessarily psychological one, although there are certain resonances in the psychological world that um, a lot of the shape of history isn't just dialectically driven by... Uh, surprise, theory reader! I'm a I'm a dialectical materialist. Um, isn't just dialectically driven by the conditions of the material world, but also by um responses to trauma. Like you see this especially culturally in moments like the response to World War II, prompting you know the the, the vast cultural changes there. The ah uh, the deeply the global psychosis in the wake of the nuclear bomb dropping, even in America, where nominally we were told. The bomb was good. It's good that we made the bomb. It's good that we used the bomb, but also we're all terrified of the bomb now. Like we immediately saw that even like right after like, well, it's good because it ended world war II. Anyway, that thing will fucking destroy the whole planet. It's good, mm-hmm. but it will kill us in a good way. I am so scared <laughs> um, or like nine 11 doing similar things. So the notion of like, and traumatic response, not always making the brain go forward. In that, like, clear, rational way, but instead, like, just, occasion like a, uh, like a stray mutation in a gene, sometimes making us just, brain go bing bong. I've also got that bipolar disorder, so I know quite a lot about <laughs> brain go bing bong. Every now and again, it's like, it's like, Langdon, sit down, shut the fuck up, your brain going bing bong. Here's some candy, here's a color book. And I'm like, oh! Did you say colors? And they're like, I did. <laughs> That's I, was,
1: I was like at a bar with my friends before all the lockdowns started, like early March. And I don't know how this came up, but talking about like, is it okay to joke about coronavirus and like trauma responses? I just started talking about uh, Arbud Dr- Dwyer, the uh, yep. Pennsylvania politician who killed himself on TV. And oh, they did guy. like, studies about how in areas where it was actually shown or like people who had been kids or teenagers who saw it like the way that they dealt with it was was with much darker humor than areas where like it wasn't shown or something like that i'm not an uh, expert mm-hmm. on it but i thought like different areas according to whether it was censored or not because his like suicide was recorded live on tv there was a very different response and i think that needs to be taken into account i am not like a fan of necessarily like edgy humor mm-hmm. i think you need to be empathetic uh, yeah. with your humor but i think i like dark and satirical hum- humor a lot but i think that's worth looking into as sort of like a case study um of of people responding to something very upsetting especially when you're young mm. like our my whole generation it's like 9-11 happened when we were kids and it's like well how do you deal with that except for joking about it sometimes without just being crushed by the weight of how terrible it all is
0: <laughs> Yeah, you know, although with 9-11 that like jokes about that didn't really start happening for a long time afterwards.
2: Well, like, we did immediately have Gilbert Gottfried, like within a couple of weeks of nine eleven, making a nine eleven joke on a on a special.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, uh,
2: he got he that he lost his uh, job as the Affleck Duck because of that.
1: That was that was because of from... the tsunami. He lost oh. that duck job, I think. The tsunami in Japan. I was just talking to a different friend about the weird conversations. <laughs> I think he made like a tsunami joke uh but i'm sure he offended a lot of people all the time because he's gilbert godfried
2: he does seem like he kind of sucks like like he's the negative universe version of steve buscemi if that makes sense
0: oh yeah i I could see that but i kind of like i've seen interviews with him he seems like a pretty okay guy sometimes sometimes
2: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, you don't have to universally be a piece of shit to do edgy humor. We do, unfortunately, bake it so deeply into, especially um, alternative spaces within culture, that Mm -hmm. otherwise decent people can get like, no, it's good. Especially when they cloak it in that bullshit thing of like, no, it's good to be transgressive. And it's like, no Mm -hmm. one's debating that, but you're not being transgressive. You just said that dying of AIDS is funny, which it's not. Like, that's just (laughs) not funny. Like, that's I agree. A transgressive joke can be good. This isn't a joke. You're just a piece of shit. Or like the same thing where like, it it feels a little bit played out now to have like, yeah, I really love John Waters. He's He makes so freaky, uh, weird films. Did you know they have trans people in them? And it's like, (laughs) I don't think that that, that doesn't hold up anymore. And frankly, it should never have held up. It's like, yo, his films are so fucking out there. Look, that woman got a dong. You're like, that's why would that? You're sh- shut up. Like that's 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 transphobic. Shut the fuck up. And you're like, no, it's art, man. It's art. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I, I, uh I have a, a degree in art stuff, and I believe that this is part of what has made me hate art.
0: Oh yeah. Ah. <clears throat> yeah. The more you know about art, you, like I can. That's why I can't I don't watch movies anymore. I don't really <laughs> watch TV. They are all really bad. I've seen like maybe four films in the last ten years that are okay.
2: It's really unfortunate to raise your standards for art up to a point where you don't like
1: art anymore.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. As long <laughs> as standards right. are especially high either. Right?
1: Yeah, like, I just got no the told... weirder stuff. I just got the yeah. more like independent and amateur video games and these sorts of web comics and stuff are much less likely to disappoint me than like a triple A game or a wide release film.
2: I definitely I feel that, especially on on the game. end. like my my switch and my PS4 are filled with um, uh, like, I really like this game Agalos, which was like a soft remake of uh, Wonder Boy. I think it had a lot of the same team that made Wonder Boy, which was like this very early Metroidvania from like the Genesis Ooh. era. Or like, uh, no, it's from the Master System era was the first one. And Agalos is like a spiritual sequel to it. And I'm like, oh, it's really tight. And not even seeing places that talk about indie games talking about some of these things because they don't fall into like the more... I mean, some of the games are good, but there is definitely like a hip image of the indie game that...
1: or like I'm, Limbo... Or, like, that that kind of sad, black and white little fun thing.
2: (laughs) Well, also, like... uh, Also, certain things like Celeste or or Dream Daddy or things like that that definitely hit Mm -hmm. a certain... Now, some of those are very, very good. Like, Celeste is fucking impeccable. Just absolutely incredible game. Um, But, yeah, there... It's... uh, Sometimes these other things get lost in the wash and are are still, like, quite good mechanically. Or, like, they're fun little explorations of a specific mechanic. Mm -hmm. Also... They don't all have roguelike shit, which I'm just done with. I'm (laughs) fucking done. Design your fucking game.
1: Like, I've been playing the PS1 Haunted Demo Disc, which is 17 demos of like these weird games that are sort of done in the PS1 aesthetic. And some are just more surreal and some are straight up horror games and it's free. So I'm just, I have nothing to do with it, but I'm going to plug the PS1 Haunted Demo Disc, which you can get on (laughs) itch for free. And it's like hours and hours of just like fucking weird surreal upsetting uh really fun horror stuff like there was is. there was
2: this beautiful era within video gaming um for for people who are active uh during like the dreamcast and ps1 era of mm-hmm. getting demo discs and being young enough that um there's a certain imaginative capacity um plus video games finally bursting into 3d in a real way because you know we'd had 3d on things like the genesis and the super nintendo and a bit on the computer but that was like the first like it felt like it was three d. um hmm. playing these brief demos and not always having the economic means to or you know, the ability to fucking drive to go get a game and having to convince your parents to take you to where games are. So you just sort of like mentally expand on like I remember playing the Silent Hill Two demo, like over, oh and wow over. and I wow. was like, I was like seven. and I just like I couldn't it like broke something <clears throat> in my brain. I just like I couldn't fucking like wrap my head around how completely fucking different it was like growing up with like, yo, I love Mario. I love my first memory <laughs> is playing dragon warrior. Like I was, I must've been like two and a half or something. And I just remember my brother teaching me how grinding works. Cause he was three years older than me and didn't want to do it. <laughs> so he was like, walk around when you see a slime hit a, a bunch. And then if you get low on that thing and it turns red, go talk to this dude, he'll heal you. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm too. But then, like, to jump into silent... So, yeah, that that demo disc seems really fascinating. I wonder mostly if if generationally it will make sense to people outside of that experience.
1: I think that's probably the target audience. But it's Mm -hmm. also just 17... Here, I'll link it in the chat. 17 really cool, weird... um, horror games i like some more than others i'm working on a review of it some of them i was absolutely blown away like how is this free and it just made me feel like wow wouldn't it have been amazing if during this era like late 90s early 2000s if they had had this level of creative freedom to just do weird shit i know there are a lot of weird ps1 games especially that didn't make it to the u.s that never got officially translated but maybe not on this level
0: yeah, this was cool. See, I, I I one of the like big picture things I'm wondering right now is that um like on, on one of our last episodes with um a Fortune musician, she was talking about like how this like um the model of music and by extension everything else we have right now of where like, you know, you'll be in an indie band, you'll get signed to a major label, you'll do a tour, all that stuff's not gonna work really well not just because of corona making it like literally impossible to go on tour but like it's always been terrible it's just always been a really terrible model going back to like the 70s and the same with films and mm-hmm. films have just gone to a point where there's really only like one or two films released a year that actually matter or make any money and you know a few may be okay like I don't know, uncut gems is, was very good and but um, yeah, films films just kind of feel like they've like lost their sparkle. They, I don't really care about films coming out anymore. And part of what's cool about you guys on Struggle Session is you're like dealing with films after the era of films has happened, and it's like
1: <laughs> post film films.
0: Yeah, it's it's post film films critic where like there'll be a billion dollar Marvel film and nothing. And God knows why any other films are actually getting made. It must be some sort of like tax write off thing. <laughs>
1: uh, my take on that is film has always been like that. It probably There's
3: has, yeah. Shit,
1: like every movement that was worth anything, it's like Italian neorealism was a reaction to white telephone films. Like the French New Wave was a reaction to certain French films. And like the American, it's like, uh, yeah. There's always been bloated trash. I mean, it's especially bad right now. Uh, And and I don't really know how stuff is going to go with actual theater experiences. But I think most of film has always been shit. And it's always been remakes and it's always been based on other media, even going back to like the very beginning of film. So I just try to find weird, interesting stuff. Uh, and focus on that or go on struggle session and just get mad about Star Trek yeah. into darkness or whatever.
0: <laughs> that was terrible. Truly awful film. This, oh, I hated
1: it. I had Trek never seen it
0: beyond. I,
2: title. I was really shocked at how much I hated Star Trek into darkness. Like I, I was walking in ready to give it all the good faith in the world. Cause I even, Ugh. I was even fond of the first JJ J. Abrams one. I didn't, I didn't oh, I love it. it, but I was like, I was like, I think I have an amount of tolerance for like the first in something that it's like, okay, well, I don't expect you to get all the moving pieces correct. So long as I think the ground is fertile, then, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes. And then, you know, my good faith was rewarded, I think. <laughs> where it's like, yo, I guess stabbed you in the balls one time. And you were like, I'll come back for another. So I'm going to stab you in the balls twice. And I'm like, okay, well, shame on me. Uh, for for believing you, okay, I'm not going to watch Star (laughs) Trek Beyond. And then I heard that that one was somehow even worse, and I was like, good, good. (laughs) We're getting what we deserve. That dude's uh, a fucking hack.
0: J.J. Abrams? J.J. Abrams.
2: He has exactly one project that I actually like. Um, It wasn't a film. It was uh, that TV show that he did. um, Alias? Not Alias, although Alias... uh no the one with no. that's that is X-Files but it's not legally speaking.
1: Oh uh, fr- Fringe. 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 I never yeah. watched I watched Lost. I didn't watch <laughs> want to watch anything else he ever did but Fringe became Fringe it.
2: good over like it, it the classic thing of like the first season is pretty shit and I don't know why it exists and <laughs> then it builds and uh weirdly I like Lost. I only watched it after it finished knowing that it was going to just go into cuckoo bullshit banana land. And that made it enjoyable because I had no expectation that any of this would pay off. It, it becomes a Tim and Eric TV show at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it does. People don't know to pitch it that way. And it's like, no, it's brilliant um, satire of the deep psychosis of uh, blockbuster picture making. It just didn't know that it was that. It wanted desperately not to be that. But you know it is. I, could I got never really end big good. I in... oh, go ahead. How are you going? Oh, I got really um... into like uh, early film as a like response as a teen of like not like because like what you were saying, the whole like films have always been bad. Like I remember the whole mm-hmm. uh, like romantic comedy boom um, of the 2000s, and then like the teen movie boom, um, the like the bad slasher boom, but not in the some of them wind up being like the Jeepers Creepers series. Aside from the like weird amounts of like transphobia and shit that
1: uh, you don't Jeepers remember
2: Creepers until like
1: you it or something, right? Or like a rapist.
2: I did not uh, know originally.
1: that. Let me see. Never mind. I think that guy's bad. Fuck, fuck
2: those. <laughs> um, Let me
1: make sure but, before I say that on a podcast. But yeah. But like, like falling
2: back it. into like uh into like early yeah. film of like you know um. Haxon or uh, what is it um, Intolerance that one I just like b- blew my brain out of the side of my head or like getting into especially the deeper stuff from Fritz Long um, mm-hmm. like Dr. Mabuse or M or things like that
1: M is so good
2: so fucking good um, Like M- Metropolis I think is obviously his masterpiece but like all of the others are still like like psychotically good Mm-hmm. he set a super high bar for himself um but yeah or like finding those like really weird films in order to try to get or not necessarily weird but interesting because like i run into this a lot with people who presumably like b movies but then spend their entire time like yeah look at it it's so shitty i hate everything about it everything's terrible ha 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 and i'm like do you like this like because i Legitimately love the weird verve of like white pongo or like white zombie or um, I think it's like tales from the petrified planet or something. And it's not about anything petrified. It's about a submarine trapped in a cave Um, (laughs) or like uh, like I loved robot monster, which is billed as being in intriguing 2D. (laughs) Finally, a film in two dimensions. Um, But, yeah, it's like we've always uh, the history of film has been perforated with really interesting projects, especially the weird, grandiose, like self-indulgent projects that are allowed to break them. Like we punish them critically for not cohering a certain story uh, structures that are approachable. But in the current like capital driven model of major studio filmmaking, they're the only ones that are able to escape those formal constraints. Like, I have, a, I have a profound love of, like, the Michael Bay Transformers films because they're so fucking weird. Like, they are fucking <laughs> weird.
1: I can't <laughs> do them. I understand what you're saying, but I can't. Mm. I, I can follow uh. that, to be fair.
2: It's just, like, I, I have this weird, like, you, gave, you they, they gave you how much fucking money and you gave them this and they put it out? What? like?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, th- those films are just... The <laughs> last
2: film has Merlin! The wizard, he's he's a real <laughs> wizard. He's not a robot. He is Merlin. And also, they reveal that Mark Wahlberg is a reincarnation of King Arthur, and Excalibur is in it, and Optimus Prime is possessed by a haunted sword. That that's the la- that's the most recent Transformers film, and I'm like, and it's three hours long for some reason. And it's just like, what the, oh, yeah. what, holy fuck,
0: and. and- characters just die for no uh-huh. reason, unmourned. No one actually cares that the, the various characters who've been in it for ages just, like,
2: just die. It's... It reminds me a lot of Romance of the Three Kingdoms, of just this, like, massive historical epic that has way too many characters, and so they can't give full due to everything. They're like, yeah, uh, <laughs> he died anyway. Moving on. Like, but, um... Shia Buff blew up on returning to his home planet, Chicago.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so just to circle back to um what was it called? Happy happy home. Uh, sweet home. Sweet home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am I'm, I'm kinda of digging this. I haven't liked a webcomic for literally forever. Um, and I, I'm gonna give this one a go. If it turns out to suck, then it's entirely your fault.
1: It's my fault. At yeah. least it'll be weird. It's something different. Like it's it is it's, very different, yeah, and it's something
0: like, like I can do like very very briefly, like in between stuff, which you can't really do in a lot of um, other things. So yeah, I'm I'm liking that. I'm feeling I'm feeling sweet home, and I'll, I'll probably end up becoming a, a web comic Stan, and um, end up like murdering someone who said my favorite um, gay romance was bad or something. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, because that's, that's how it be. But um So, Shannon, where can people find your stuff? You can find... Oh, go ahead. Just to kind of cap things off.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Plenty of Alcoves. And if you go on YouTube, if you type in uh, Struchy Movies, that's S-T-R-U-C-C-I. Or if you type in Fake Friends Parasocial, it's pretty easy to find my YouTube channel. Or if you type in, like, Scanline H-Bomb, you can see the videos I made with him. Uh, Mm -hmm. Struggle Session is at Struggle Sesh on Twitter. Or if you just Google Struggle Session, it'll come up. And Critical Bits is at Critical Bitcast or criticalbitcast.com. And uh, Struggle Session and, well, at least Critical Bitcast, uh, Critical Bits is on like Spotify, iTunes, and everything. I always listen to Struggle Session on SoundCloud, but I think it's on other platforms as well. I'm not really sure. Sh- I should yeah, know on, that. It's but... on,
0: um, it's on yeah, Spotify, iTunes. I think it's on all of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think they're both very easily easy to find i hate when i want to get into a podcast and it's only on like some one weird site and it's like can i just use spotify please yeah, but yeah.
0: um yeah so yeah and uh all of this stuff that she just mentioned comes highly co-signed by me uh, i haven't seen or listened to critical bits yet i'm sure it's good and yeah. um uh yeah all very highly co-signed. Um, Struggle session is like the one podcast that we've had three quarters of its members on so far. So, also
2: literally everyone has been good. Literally everyone.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we just need we need to get Jack on Jack Arson on the show to complete the set. Um, He's very very interesting guy. So we could probably just invite him on and give him the mic and say go off King. (laughs) He would drop so many bombs. It would be like. Um, the invasion of Iraq over here It would just be bomb after bomb. It'd be fucking slaughterhouse five.
2: Hey, can, I'm the American. I'm the one who can make the Iraq jokes. I'm sorry to all Iraqi citizens.
1: Uh, speaking of, uh, Brendan James has a new podcast blowback that's really good about the core. Oh, yes, I, I I've heard.
0: It. I've heard that it had um. Uh, what's the name? um I'm gonna main the...
1: TV guy. I don't remember his. his, his yeah. Oh,
0: um, James Adomian, who is a like the only good impressionist still Mm -hmm. around and um
1: it's john from
0: h john yeah i i worship at the altar of h john he is one of the most ugly hot humans alive (laughs) his voice just does it just gets vibrates my bones um yeah just bob's burgers archer love them both so Mm
3: -hmm.
0: yeah check that out as well even though you know it's not really related to any of us but um yeah, we're going to cap off the episode with a little, little, little trip back in time. We're going back in the archives um, because it is the 10th anniversary of the release of uh, Éclair, de Lune, uh, Éclair de Lune by Alcea. Um You're
2: brave for trying to pronounce that. Um, Although you're British, so don't they make you learn French at some point? Or is yeah, that a thing that yeah. Americans think that you have to do? <laughs>
0: they make us learn French in British schools. So we don't know. Okay. So yeah, this was like a pivotal album. Oh yeah. Just like massively, massively influential still. Um, a bunch of the bands we mentioned earlier uh, kind of wouldn't happen if it wasn't for this one album. Um, it's
2: like this kind of sound had existed prior to i'll say um had been sort of rumbling since like about two thousand and four or so, but that was mostly like little demos coming out and to be fair neige the the main guy of um I'll say was on like two thirds of those demos, so it was uh but and their their debut um Le souvenir um or souvenirs dun entre I don't I think I pronounced that close. Yeah. Close enough. Um, yeah. It was like really well regarded. Everyone loved it. That one was sort of the thing that was like, "Oh shit, this is real. This uh, like shoegazing black metal um, hybrid is is real. This is going to be good. Um, he, of course had the, the debut, like Les Secret, which was big in very underground spaces, but hadn't really, but this uh, it hadn't really like blown up but this one uh Loon, lune is like the one that exploded out like i think npr covered it uh, mm. i know pitchfork gave it a glowing review um and as much as we can be canon should be critical of the kind of social power that um pitchfork has especially given that they're owned by Condé Nast now which i will i will never stop saying that i'll never <laughs> fucking stop pointing that out that is fucking embarrassing um but uh, that rub is very seriously helpful um, for pointing this music at a bunch of people who are at least nominally interested in underground music, and like that helped blow this sound up, like just mm. very immediately.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and there were a ton of new bands that really wouldn't have existed without this. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Death Heaven, are, are the big one. And have kind of eclipsed, I'll say, in terms of like sales and recognition of um, just the whole black gaze genre. But in bands like Unrequited, um, Sadness, there's 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 billions of ones of like second violet cold, yeah, absolutely.
2: There was also that whole wave of like, um, uh, is a band called Cold Body Radiation? Um, So yeah, but yeah, they got like progressively more. uh like synth oriented with their black gaze. Mm -hmm. Like this that you can't necessarily connect them to Death Heaven, but you can connect them to this. Like Black gaze as one of the post-black metal subgenres of you know, of the subgenre with and yada yada. Uh, metal we love our subgenres. Um this one becomes like the central node that burst off into like nine or 10 different approaches to the style.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: And for good reason, it's a fucking great album.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's the thing about it. It's not just like, <clears throat> oh, he stumbled on a new guitar chord and it was kind of jankly as opposed to dissonant. Uh, no, it's just a really solid album with amazing songwriting. And I just, just listened to it yesterday. I was just struck by how much I remember every single, like, Breakdown and intro and build up, and like the individual chords used, and just how it's stuck in my brain in the same way that Sunbaver has. Um, just like 10 years later, I could still, I still know how, um, the first song goes, and it's 10 minutes long.
2: Yeah. It's Uh, like there's, there's a lot to be said for music can be made great by historical context and everything surrounding, uh, a work of art before it comes out, but there's also, Music is parallel to poetry in a lot of ways, specifically in the manner that like a lot of its absolute greatest stuff seems to work even if someone has no grounding whatsoever in anything beyond it. like you can just run into it and you're like, "Fuck, this is really good. what is this? And like I've played this record within the past year or so because it's coming up on its uh 10 year anniversary, and I was just you know playing it around and then people would hear and it was. People with no background like, this is beautiful. what is this? And I was like, oh, let me tell you Which is sort of a testament to like people who don't like extreme metal, people who do like extreme metal, people who've heard of it, people who haven't heard of it, like it just it's really goddamn good.,
0: mm, yeah, so we're gonna play the first song, um, Eclair de lune part one, and um come back next week because we have uh. Y'all ever want to have a gay romance in Ikea, but there's also the multiverse? We did. So um, we're going to be doing that book. Uh, we're going to be doing... We've got a crap ton of episodes lined up because I went crazy. Uh, I I basically jokeified the podcast and, and <laughs> just um, queued up dozens of new episodes Um Shannon was one of the many people who was not kind enough to respond to my, like, hey, everyone's got tons of free time. Let's all do podcasts now. Um, it's true.
1: I've got, like, a Zoom call with friends and a podcast, like, every day. <laughs> like, keep them busy so I don't go crazy. Yeah. I-
0: I've got a girlfriend I've never met. This whole thing is incredibly insane for everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, come back for that, because um, eventually I'm going to run out of steam and I'll crash, and I'll stop doing four podcasts a week. So you've got to you've got to catch me while I'm still in this manic phase. Um, so, yeah, come back next week for that. Go on the Patreon. We've got absolutely crap tons of stuff on there in the back catalogs. We're still uh, reading comics and stuff on there. And um. yeah, so check out Sh- uh, Shannon's stuff. Sh- everything highly, highly recommended. Thank you. And and here's our say.